Hello and welcome to the ParaUnity Podcast. Tonight we have with us Matt O'Dell from Patriot Paranormal, based out of the Washington, D.C. area. But before we bring Matt on, let's talk a little bit about Washington, D.C. Monuments, memorials, eclectic neighborhoods, and true local flavor, Washington, D.C. is a place unlike any other. Washington, D.C., the capital, is a compact city on the Potomac River, bordering the states of Maryland and Virginia. The city is filled by imposing neoclassical monuments and buildings, including the iconic ones that house the federal government's three branches, the Capitol, the White House, and the Supreme Court. It also has many amazing museums, 177 foreign embassies, international corporate headquarters, and numerous lobbying groups and professional organizations. Washington came to be with the signing of the Resident Act in July of 1790. Washington has an estimated population of 702,500, which raises to over 1 million during the work week, and is one of the most visited cities in the world. Washington, D.C. is best known for being the center of politics in the United States, but it is also becoming more and more renowned for being something of a hub for paranormal activity. There is all manner of hauntings happening in our nation's capital, including a demon cat that is a harbinger of trouble ahead, and more than a few former presidents who don't seem to be ready to exit the White House just yet. Then, there's the Octagon House, where there have been reports of otherworldly presences in various parts of it, including the spiral staircase, the second and third floor landings, the gardens, and one of the third floor bedrooms. A large number of spirits inhabit the old stone house, including, but certainly not limited to, a lady dressed in brown who is seen standing by the fireplace, a heavier woman who appears both in the kitchen and on the staircase, a man in short pants and long stockings, and a man with long blonde hair wearing a new jacket. But who can ever forget that staircase from The Exorcist, which also resides in D.C.? Now help me welcome to the ParaUnity Podcast, Matt O'Dell, for a first-hand look at some great haunted locations and some insights into the science of paranormal investigations used in Washington, D.C. Matt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for being on. So we were talking a little bit about it beforehand. You guys are based in that Washington, D.C., Southern Maryland area? Correct, sir. Perfect. Well, what got you interested in the paranormal? Um, I, I really, I don't think that there was any particular event that led to it. I think it became, you know, with me in general, I know, I think whenever I was a little kid and I understood the concept of death, you know, because, you know, when you're a little kid, you just assume everything's happy go lucky and, you know, all that jazz. But as you get older, you start to understand that there, you know, we all go at some point and where we go to, nobody really knows. So, uh, I started, you know, and paranormal investigations have been around for decades. So whenever I went looking for this information, I, there was tons of information out there to, you know, dive right into um, to learn about this uh, this alternate world um, of the paranormal. So that's, you know, that's kind of what, you know, dove me into everything. And as I got older, I was able to venture out and travel, see the world. Um, I've been to 22 countries and 24 states. Um and I haven't done paranormal investigations in all of them. I would have liked to. Uh, but there's a lot of experiences that I've had and a lot of positions where I put myself, you know, in, in I guess, the path of paranormal to experience it. Um, and I, I guess that's where I uh, myself uh, got interested in that realm of possibility. Sure. And you're talking about being in all these different countries and places around the world. I guess we should mention to our guests that you and the other men or the other guys that are in your crew are actually U.S. Air Force veterans, correct? 
Correct, sir. Absolutely. Yep, and we do thank you for your service. Oh, we appreciate that. Thank you so much. So I was kind of curious when I first saw your logo with the American flag on it. It's like, oh, they got to be. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my family uh, has been in the military for a consecutive 238 years. So um, that's why, you know, I do a lot of uh, a lot of stuff around here. We go to Antietam, Gettysburg, uh, Bull Run uh, down in Manassas. And, you know, we... Uh, I do a lot of that stuff because I had family that fought at those battles, you know, and, you know, my take on things is that, you know, if you go to a place enough, maybe spirits will remember you um, and open themselves up to you more. And I believe that's kind of what happened, uh, particularly at Gettysburg um, at Devil's Den. Uh, I have a lot of activity there and throughout the entire town. But like I said, I've, I've been to Gettysburg probably 10 times uh, in the last two years and, there's nothing short of extremely strong paranormal activity out that way. Oh, yeah. And I mean, not even just uh, spiritual wise, that just the history of it. I mean, that's something yeah. I've been obsessed with since I was a little kid. It's my favorite Absolutely. time of history to record or to, to study. Absolutely. So, well, like a little bit like what you're talking about. You said you had traveled around the world. I know we had <laughs> talked a little bit beforehand about um, doing some ghost investigations in England. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about that? So England, uh, and uh, we may want to branch out and just say the UK in general, because the UK is encompassed of Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and England. Um, sure. You know, there's a place that we would go to in England. It was an old abbey, um, and I featured it on my Instagram page. But uh, I believe it was built in about 10 or 1100. Um, it's super old, and it's nothing but ruins now. But it's interesting because when you go there at night, man, it just you feel like something is literally attached to your back, um, just stuck to you. Eyes are watching you and you could be the only one around. I've been there several times by myself and it just I mean, you just constantly feel like you are not alone. Um, it's hard to tell um, without any major equipment at the time, uh, because like I said, whenever I first started doing these investigations, I was primarily just putting myself in these positions uh, to see. If anything would happen to me, I was offering myself up as bait, essentially, uh, to see if anything was going to happen. Um, and, you know, out there, you know, hearing whispering sounds, see, uh, you know, seeing shadow figures moving about. Um, and like I said, without capturing it on film or anything like that at the time, it's hard to replay back. But, you know, you replay it in your mind over and over again. And, you know, it's got to be. It's got to be something out there. You're the only one there, but you're hearing like whispering noises and seeing shadows moving on the ground and whatnot on a, a moonless night. You know, I mean, it's it's got to be something paranormal. Um, the other place that we went to uh, Dover Castle, it's located on the White Cliffs along the English Channel in Dover, uh, England. It's very haunted. It's a medieval castle and it's been there, um, I, I believe, since like the. 1300s, I want to say, but the interesting part is they used the tunnels underneath Dover Castle during uh, World War II when uh, the troops were preparing for the D-Day invasion, um, and also when they returned from the D-Day invasion. Lots of dead bodies, lots of casualties um, stored down there. It was used as a planning and operations facility as well as a hospital. So lots of activity, lots of orbs, uh, again, shadow figures. I featured that on my Instagram page as well, and uh, it's interesting because I have a shot of a hallway and it looks like someone is standing at the end of the hallway and there's also two orbs in the picture. So it's, uh, it's, it's very compelling evidence for that location. Well, yeah. And then you also have a lot of pictures of like, uh, military soldiers on your, on your page too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, and those are all from Gettysburg. Uh, and, you know, ironically, they're all from the same location. Um, and, you know, and sometimes when I go there by myself, you know, you got to talk to them. You know, you might look kind of crazy talking to yourself from, you know, another person's perspective. But a lot of times when I go there, it's either end of day, um, out of season. I love to go out of season. I hate doing the tourist stuff. I, I don't, you know, I don't like running into it. It definitely interferes with uh, paranormal investigations. So I usually try to get there around 6 a.m. is when the battlefield opens, and you were probably the only one out there, especially on a snowy day. You're definitely going to be the only one out there. Um, and then I like to go out there at night uh, as well, uh, and I believe that, I mean, it stays open till sunset, so, you know, whenever that might be, whatever time of year. So uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there. It's very haunted. Oh yeah, without it, without question. Yeah, I mean you can't have that much loss of life and that much emotion drawn into one place and not have something stick around. Yeah, I, I think it was. I mean, the battle was July first through third of eighteen sixty three, and I believe it was somewhere around forty six thousand casualties, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, over a three day period, that amount of loss of life, you know, and just a few spots, and you know, it's just one town, a small town, you know. I mean, so yeah, it's it's very very uh, active. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know we said that you guys are, you've been working together, looking at stuff, checking stuff out for a long time, but you've actually just banded as an actual team here this last December. That's correct. So tell me a little bit about the guys on your team. Okay, uh, so there's myself, um, and I kind of started this whole thing and brought in my buddy CJ Miles and then brought in my buddy Chris Lewis. And CJ's the one that lives in Texas. Um, He's done a lot of hands-on stuff with me at Gettysburg, and so is uh, so is Chris. But um, you know, we uh, like I said, being in the you know military, you can't always control where you're sent. Um, you know, so unfortunately, he's now in Texas. Uh, CJ is, and you know, we try to get together when we can. Um, but most of our stuff that we've done has been around uh, Southern Maryland and into uh, Pennsylvania. Um, we're trying to actually band back together this July to do a lockdown at the Birdcage Theater in Tombstone, Arizona, and then more locally over here. Um, there's been a lot of discussion and a lot of interest to go to Eastern State Penitentiary in uh, Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a real popular place to go. Absolutely. Well, tell me a little bit more about some of the places you have there in that kind of D.C., Southern Maryland area. Sure, absolutely. So within D.C., so anyone that comes here that wants to do any paranormal investigations, first and foremost, you have to get permission. If you do not get permission within uh, D.C. city limits, it's you're probably going to get charged on a federal level for trespassing um, just because D.C. is D.C. Um, they have, you know, and, you know, Ford's Theater, super haunted, lots of history there. Um the White House, the Capitol building, and these aren't places that you could just stroll into, but there's so much history. Uh, I mean, these guys founded our country, you know. I mean, it's, it's you know, mind-blowing to, you know, believe that these places aren't haunted. Um, so, but it's so hard to get in there. Now, as you venture a little bit north of D.C. and get into southern Maryland, you have, uh, and this is in conjunction with Ford's Theater, it's the doctor's house that fixed the leg of John Wilkes Booth, Um his house is there, and it's called the Dr. Mud House. Um, yep. And his his name wasn't Dr. Mud. I'm not sure what his name was, but if the way that I have done my history, Mud was a name that they gave to someone that kind of turned their back on society and like went against you know state and federal rules and whatnot. So by him helping 
uh, John Wilkes Booth fix his leg to allow him to continue to evade law enforcement uh, for the assassination of President Lincoln, um, you know, they slandered his name and called him Mud. So uh, the Dr. Mud house is right there. Um, we have at a and this is really cool, too, for people not only doing paranormal investigations, but urban exploration as well. Uh, it's called St. Mary's College. It's a completely abandoned and uh, it's it's in sort of shambles, but there's a really cool altar um, and it's all in the middle of the woods. So you can just go up to this place and it's right around Ellicott City, which the entire town of Ellicott City is super haunted. It's very old. Um, and uh, so that's something that, you know, anyone can do around here. It's open. You know, there's not any trespassing laws. There's trails and whatnot through the woods. So you can go there. Another one. That's really cool is uh, Glendale, um, if you've ever heard of that before. Um, it's It was used as like a tuberculosis hospital. Now it's completely abandoned. I've heard that you can get permission to go there to do whatever it is that you're doing. You just have to go about it the right way. Um, I would advise people when you go to Glendale or when really you go to anywhere that's been kind of abandoned for many years, wear a mask because you're not going to – and take a change of clothes um, – Put them in a garbage bag, throw them in the trunk of your car because the asbestos there is a real thing. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that has long-term effects, so you don't want that hanging around, you know. Yeah, one little side note to you, that Dr. Mudhouse you were yeah. talking about, yeah. that's actually where that saying, yeah, my name is Mud, actually came from, yeah. too. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, absolutely. I, had to, I had to try and come off a little bit smart here. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, no, absolutely. Um, there's a there's a song called My Name is Mud, and I think it's by the band Primus, and they do the, the theme for South Park and whatnot. So um, that that's all conjoined together there. So, yeah, it's it's definitely well-known in popular culture, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what, what one's your favorite place that you've seen out there? My favorite place probably, well... And it doesn't, my, it doesn't have to be in the D.C., just your favorite sure. place. Gettysburg, hands down, is my favorite. That's probably why I've been there ten times. But I will say, traveling to other places, I've been to Transylvania and Romania. I've been to Braun Castle, uh, which is the infamous Bram Stoker uh, you know, novel. That was the castle that inspired you know, that book. And uh, so I've been there. I didn't do anything paranormal there. Um, we were there around the time just after Halloween, but Transylvania in itself is a very, very creepy town. I mean, it's it's one of those stereotypical Eastern European towns where you can see, you know, people outside beating rugs in an alley, you know, and you know, there's, <laughs> you know, cats squealing and stuff like that. But uh, it's it's an interesting town. Um, we've also gone to uh, Stonehenge. That was a really interesting time just to go there and experience that place. Um, and there's not anything in particular that happened there. It was just cool to be there. Um, but I think probably as far as the paranormal world is concerned, we did follow in the footsteps of ghost adventures uh, and go to the vaults in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so we did do that, and that was that's pretty crazy. Um, you, you, I mean, it constantly sounds like people are walking, and it's all stone floors and whatnot, but it just sounds like people are walking around you. Um, we went into a room where around 200 women and children uh, died in this room from a fire uh, on the city above. They were locked in this room to keep them safe, um, and the door locks from the outside. And they were locked in this room uh, because, you know, it, it, that wasn't a, ha a happy place down there. There were a lot of people that were, you know, killers and whatnot that would flee to the world below the city. Um, 
So they were locked in there to keep them safe from the fire while their husbands helped fight the fire. Well, stone is the conductor for heat. So when the fire passed over it, they all burned. And to stand in that room by yourself is, man, I tell you, that's just, it's overwhelming. It's, it's, it really is. It's hard to breathe. Your chest gets heavy. Um, at, at times your mind plays so many tricks on you. It's hard to distinguish between what's reality and what is not. Um, and it's so dark down there. And that's, that's a whole, that's the thing too. That's never seen the light of day. So, I mean, that's, you can go outside and let your eyes adjust. You can turn your lights off in your house and let your eyes adjust. Your eyes don't adjust down there. It stays dark because there's nothing to help you adjust. So, um, at times it feels like people tug on your shirt. Uh, there's a little boy down there, um, that was killed and, it's unknown if he was part of the group that died because of the fire or another situation, but he comes up and will hold your hand. Um, I felt a brushing against my hand, but more so it felt like constant tugging on my clothes whenever I was down there. Um, there's also reports of a banshee that's down there. Um, and as folklore is concerned with banshees, if you see a banshee and it screams, someone close to you will die. And there was a guy that they used this as a, uh, a, a seller for, I believe, old old barrels of, you know, rye or beer, whiskey and whatnot way sure. back in the day um, because the temperature was just right to keep it cool. Well, the bar had closed for the night. And he went to put these barrels in the bar or in the, uh, in the cellar down there, and there was a woman standing there, hands in her face and whatnot, and he was like, you need to leave. You know, the bar is closed. You know, you got to get out of here, and she was non-responsive and all that. He walked up and put his hand on her shoulder her hands immediately moved away from her face and just screamed. Apparently she had tears of blood coming out of her eyes and he panicked, absolutely panicked, fell to the ground, fetal position, covered his face. <laughs> and, uh, and I would do the same thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, but he got home, he closed up the bar almost immediately and just went home. He just left the operation as it was, you know, assuming he would pick it up all the next day. When he got home, uh, he was informed that his father had passed away suddenly from a massive heart attack, like, and that would have happened within the last 30 minutes during his way home. So that's where the folklore comes from, uh, that if you hear a banshee scream, someone close to you will die. So um, there's been a couple situations with that down there. And another place, probably, uh, that was a really cool place to go. Um, but another place that's probably the most unique place I've ever been, uh, I went to Egypt in 2017, and we went and did an uh, exploration into the tombs of the Great Pyramids of Giza. And to be my buddy and I, and he's not a part of my paranormal crew, um, he's just a buddy that I do a lot of traveling with, we went down there. And we were the only people in this entire pyramid. And, you, you know, you got to think this thing is what, you know, five, six thousand years old, yep. you know, and to be the only two people standing down there was mind blowing in the sense that, you know, how many times, you know, during your life can you say we are the only people doing this in the entire world right now? You know, <laughs> I yeah. mean, so that was a little mind blowing. That's probably the only time that'll ever happen to me. Um, but down there again, uh, just. It's so thick. I mean, it's just so thick with, you know, what yeah, we didn't have anything happen to us. We didn't hear anything. I didn't have anything pulling on me and whatnot. But again, it's just one of those atmospheres where you just feel like you're being watched. Um, it's very cramped. It's very claustrophobic because, again, 6,000 years ago, the average height of the normal person was, what, 4'10", you know, 5'1". Yeah, probably one. something pretty I close mean, to that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, so the, the corridors to walk through are very narrow, very small. So it's very easy to become disoriented, very easy for claustrophobia to set in. And, uh, and that's what kind of was happening down there with us. Um, but it, uh, that was probably one of the most unique places I've ever been to. Yeah, that probably wouldn't work so well for me. I'm, you know, six four or so, and I yeah. I weigh about two fifty. So I mean, I'd probably right. get, get stuck in right. a few of those places. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. So I know a lot of the stuff that sounds like you've done. You just kind of get yourself in the moment, and I think that has a lot to do with just just your background, especially sure. military wise. You know, you can go in, you can assess the situation once you're there, and then you do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, but on the ones where you actually do your actual investigations, what's yeah. some, what's your favorite piece of equipment that you use? Um, I love spear boxes in particular SB seven spear boxes. Um, we have done a little bit of stuff and it's not our equipment. I am looking into purchasing it. Um, but we teamed up with another group of guys based out of Gettysburg, uh, that had SLS cam, um, which was super cool. And for anyone that doesn't know what an SLS cam is, um, it's essentially the, it maps a body in a stick figure form. Um, but, you know, it's crazy to see because, you know, you could be looking right in front of you at emptiness, nothingness. And all of a sudden this thing will appear. And it's even crazier whenever you can feel like something brushing against you. And all of a sudden this stick figure formation on the SLS will appear. And, that validation. Yeah. And it's wild. It's absolutely wild. Or you hear like a whispering noise and then all of a sudden like that thing will come into play. Um, that's pretty cool. We always take EMF detectors, always use those. Um, we obviously do a lot of EVP, um, but a lot of times we've had lately, there's been a lot of wind disruption. It's been very windy up here lately uh, yeah, in this area here. of the country. Yeah, so when you do the EVPs, I mean, it's better to do those indoor uh, because outside you can pick up so many different things, and it could be an animal, it could be a car, it could be a, a tire popping on the interstate nearby. Uh, it, it could be, you know, a, a million things. So, but those are that's a lot of stuff that we do now. Personally, I carry a uh, I have a Canon uh, camera. It's an 80D 80 Delta. Um, I attach a road mic to it uh, just whenever I'm shooting footage and whatnot, and to pick up audio as best I can. Um, and it does have wind blocker on it and whatnot. So a lot of that stuff, you know, it's worked lately to keep that wind pollution and whatnot out of there. Uh, and we'll strictly focus on just a small radius around me, so it picks up some pretty good things. Um, and we took it on a bridge in Gettysburg and, uh, it's, it's actually interesting. And I'm in the process of getting the footage uploaded and whatnot, but it, the bridge we took it to, it's called Sachs covered bridge. And we took it to another bridge called Su the suicide bridge or the John Eisenhower bridge. But, uh, if you look on any list of the haunted bridges in America, Sachs covered bridge is listed nine times out of 10 at number one. Um, there were, I believe three Confederate soldiers that were, you know, they were convicted of being spies during the Civil War. They were hanged from the bridge. Um, there's a woman that was accused of somewhat of witchcraft and whatnot, and they hung her from a tree. And it's interesting because if you go to that tree, you can see what looks like a screaming face in the tree and whatnot. Um, and I pick up, I pick up orbs. I pick up what sounds a little bit like disembodied voices. I've heard disembodied voices at these locations myself. Um, when we were leaving Saks Bridge, I heard a woman and a kid in the woods, and my uh, other investigator, CJ, heard it as well. But it sounds so clear, like the woman was saying, they're leaving now, and the kid laughed. And it was unmistakable, unmistakable. The other creepy thing that happened just before that 
was a tree fell over in the middle of the forest, which was, I mean, you know, like, I mean, how rare, <laughs> yeah, how absolutely. rare is that, you know? So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much the equipment that we use. Um, and we're, we're kind of branching out to, to learn a little bit more about how to use the equipment properly, um, and, uh, expanding that horizon of our, uh, investigations. Okay. Yeah. One thing I was going to tell you about when you're telling me about your equipment, you're talking a little bit about that SLS cam. I, I actually have one that I use with my team. That's um, awesome. Yeah, we have, I'm kind of one of those tech junkies that always has to buy the cool new things so we can try it out. Sure. Um, sure. But we were doing a uh, theater here in in Dubuque, Iowa, mm-hmm. and um, when we were, we had one group that was standing on the stage, and one of the gals on our team said that she could see a shadow of a person up on the uh, the top balcony, which was considered the segregation balcony back then, and that's what it, that's basically what it was. Oh wow! Um, and so when we went up there later, we took that SLS camera up there, and we actually got a stick figure to appear up there with us and it it actually looked like it was manipulating the uh the spotlights that were up there that's wild it was still working (laughs) yeah it literally and incredible um, yeah we actually got it you can see it standing there by the camera you can see its hands moving out and like adjusting different spots on the on the spotlight you can see it trying to move it up and down and everything it was crazy wow Wow, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So, it's so cool when the equipment that you're using works. You know what I mean? Because um, there's there's so many times you can take it out and turn on a ghost box, you know, put up a static cam, walk away from it, see if anything happens. And you could let that thing record for an hour or two and come back. No footage, nothing. Yep. You know what I mean? And and that's that's the reality of the situation. That's why I'm such a firm believer in visiting a place as many times as you can visit it. Never get tired of the spots. You know, learn the history behind it. Learn people's names that were involved in incidents throughout history. Learn dates and time periods and stuff like that. Let the ghosts know who you are. You know, if you go there by yourself, talk to them. You know, establish uh, a relationship with them. And uh, you know, and I believe they remember you. And that's why at Devil's Den in Gettysburg. Uh, and Sachs covered bridge and whatnot, these guys have opened themselves up to me so many times, you know, to allow me to photograph them, see them, you know, experience, you know, you know, what they're going through and whatnot. So, uh, and, and I'm forever appreciative of that. Yeah. And actually to, to add on to that, there's a gentleman I was talking to where he's been into one location around here so many times that he, he knows which spirit is near him yeah. by, by the feeling his body gets. Yeah. So he can he can walk in and get a certain feeling and know, okay, well this is so and so that's by mm-hmm. me now. And I mean, it's crazy. I'll he's actually gonna be a guest on a on another episode of the show. So sure. but yeah, that was something he was telling me about the one day when we were talking and it's I mean just just the thought of that that you can build that type of connection with a person just like a normal you and me type person yeah. from somebody that's passed on that it's it's just neat that you can make that type of connection. That's right. And, you know, and another thing that you have to, you know, keep in mind, it's not always happiness. You know what I mean? These people went through some very traumatic things or they just died naturally and aren't able to move on the way that they would like to. And, you know, one of the things, you know, when diving into any industry, you have to learn all aspects of it to appreciate it. And unfortunately, there is a darker world of the paranormal. And I try to stay away from that stuff. I don't like to surround myself with it. But at times, especially in a location like Gettysburg, or like I said, the Edinburgh vaults or the pyramids of Egypt or anything like that, 
you know, so much death happened around these locations that, you know, these people weren't planning to die. They woke up and had no idea they would die, but they died, you know, and they're lost and confused. And, you know, you, they will manipulate you. Um, I've had a lot of occasions where it's just gotten real dark and it actually happened to me in January. Um, I was at a place called the Inn at Castle Rock in, uh, Bisbee, Arizona, which is a border town to Mexico. And, uh, that was a really interesting place to be. But, uh, this, this place, we were in a particular room. It's a haunted room and every room there has a name. Our room in particular was called the crying shame. Um, so it automatically had a, just an ominous name to it, but you know, we went out on the town for the night, did like a haunted pub crawl, came back and, uh, I started feeling so weird. Like I started feeling like insanely nauseous. I felt like something was minorly possessing me. And I've only had a couple of instances like that, but it has been very brief. Um, but within our hotel room, it started smelling absolutely like rancid meat, like just rotten. And I was the only one that could smell it, which was just tripping me out. And so trying to explain people what this smell was, what I was experiencing, I, I was turning pale. Um, I went outside and as I went outside, I could hardly keep my balance leaned up against a railing. And I, it's almost like I was falling over. Um, but there's a lot of paranormal activity that happened there. Um, in particular, there was a guy that was, you know, cleaning his weapon. He was just cleaning a gun and shot and killed a woman uh, that was walking across the street. And there's a, you know, and ghosts move around. I'm not sure of every ghost, you know, story of that location. Um, I need to do a lot more work on that. But, uh, you know, they all move around, especially in a place like a hotel. You know, they're confined to one room until you open that door up, you know, and yep, then absolutely they continue to walk around. So, but that was a, that was a very interesting experience I had, uh, recently. Uh, yeah. That'll definitely get your attention very yeah. quickly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's, it's so weird too, because even traveling home two days later, I was on a connecting flight in Dallas to come back, uh, up through Baltimore. And I started feeling that feeling all over again. You know, it stayed with me for about 24 hours in Arizona left me. I was feeling like myself. And then it's like, it all just came right back whenever I got to the airport in Dallas. Um, and I, I was sitting there trying to eat some food and I just felt so nauseous. I thought I was going to throw up, you know, and it was that yep. same feeling and it, you can't describe it, you know, unless someone else has gone through something like that. So, yep. um, definitely get your attention though. <laughs> well, we talked a little about, you have a lockdown coming up. You said, yeah, it's going to be down in that kind of okay corral area, Tombstone, Arizona. You said you're doing the Burge Cage Theater? Correct. Um, I have been in touch with uh, the owner of the establishment. I believe he's a fourth or fifth generation owner. Uh, his name is Billy Hunley, um, and he's been featured on Ghost Adventures a couple times. So that's really cool to you know have a contact like that that you can just talk to whenever. Um, but he uh, is allowing me and my team of people to come down there and uh, do an overnight lockdown. I think it's going to be about six hours or so in July. Um, and while we're there, we're going to see uh, I, you know, I'm I follow and am followed by two other organizations there. One's called the Oriental Saloon. One's called the Crystal Palace Saloon. And these are all places that, you know, are haunted. They were around back in the days of the OK Corral. And I'm going to see if uh, they'll let me stop by there and you know, do some stuff either with the owners present or just us, you know, because I think that would be really cool to have, you know, the owners be present to give their accounts of what happened there and, uh, 
you know, see if, you know, because we, we, we haven't really been there. Um, I've been to those locations once. And like I said, getting familiar with the ghosts um, or spirits um, definitely helps. But having someone that's been there every day for years, you know, would probably be more likely to draw them out than strangers. So, uh, but we're definitely looking forward to that. We're taking all the equipment down there. Um, we are going to put a, that, I think that will begin um, our YouTube, uh, reaching out to YouTube to put a, to put a video up and whatnot and seeing what kind of uh, stuff that we can get. And like I said, whenever I was there in January, I did about an hour and a half, just brief walk through. Um, we turned all the lights off in the place. We had EMF meters, but that's pretty much it. And cameras. Um, and I saw a shadow figure walk across. Uh, they have like a red light, kind of like a, uh, I think it's like their fire alarm in a corner. Um, but uh, something walked past that in an adjacent room, um, and I saw it clear as day. I mean, you just—I mean, there's a red light there. The red light does not blink, and something distorted that. You know, completely walked in front of it. Um, and I also have a picture. I took a live photo on my iPhone, and uh, it looks like a—I don't really know how to describe it. It would be like the bottom of like a white dress, kind of just if you're moving, you know, or if wind is blowing it. Um, but when I hold down the photo, it's just this thing's just like glistening and then just disappears. It's not there. All of a sudden it's there moving around and then just disappears. Uh, so when we go back, that six hours that we have there from Billy is going to be uh, kind of revolutionary, if you will. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, it sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, oh, you, yeah, guys, if you guys ever get up my way, make sure you let me know and we'll see if we can't get something set up together so you guys can come out with us. Yes, absolutely. Hands down. Uh, and like I said, you guys are, I've been wanting to get to the Velisca Axe House for a long time. And I'm pretty sure they do offer, I think you got to pay and whatnot, but I'm pretty sure that you can do a lockdown there. So uh, that is a place I'm looking at. Like I said, Eastern State. Um, I'm looking to get back up to Massachusetts. I was just there a couple weeks ago, but I'm looking to go back to Massachusetts and go to the uh, Lizzie Borden House and sure. arranged to spend the night there uh, because it is technically a bed and breakfast. So um, I'd like to try that out as well. So there's a lot of a lot of fun things coming up. So a lot to look forward to. Absolutely. And then what's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they want to contact you? Best way, I'm you know, I'm very responsive. Send me a message. Like I said, we don't have a website right now. Um, that's all a work in progress. And like I said, we've just been public since December 20th of 2018. Um you know, you can find us on uh, Instagram, Patriot Paranormal, Facebook, Patriot Paranormal 18. We were founded in 2018. Um, but you can find us there. Like I said, I'm very responsive. I'm the one that runs those pages. Uh, the other guys kind of step in and do a little bit of admin work from time to time. But if they happen to be on uh, doing some stuff, uh, uploading some content, they will either respond to you or they'll shoot your uh, message to me and I will respond. And like I said, we, you know, we've done a lot of private stuff uh, just with us, but we are down for meeting up. If anyone wants to meet up, uh, we're down for investigations. If you have a haunted location and we're in your area or we have to travel just a little bit of ways, we don't mind doing that. Uh, as long as everybody's schedules match up perfectly, uh, we'll make the trip. Sounds great. Hey, Matt, yeah. I appreciate you taking the time with me today. Yeah, absolutely. You had, Thank you so much for having me. You had a lot of great stories. I mean, we probably could have <laughs> kept going on for quite a while yet. <laughs> oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Matt, you have a great day. You too. Thanks again for having me. Appreciate yep. it. Goodbye. All right. Bye. 
Thanks again to Matt O'Dell with Patriot Paranormal for being our guest today, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. Please take a minute to give us a review on iTunes or whatever directory you listen to us on. It means a lot to us, and we want to hear your feedback so we can further improve our show. My name is Brandon, and you've been listening to the best place to bring our paranormal teams a little closer together, the Para Unity Podcast. <laughs>